G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. For episode 16, I am joined by Ed all the way over in Scotland now. Ed, how are you doing, buddy? Hi everyone, I'm great. It's a it's a cloudy, rainy morning in Scotland, but I'm happy, I'm excited, <laughs> I'm ready to talk next gen, I'm ready to talk Star Wars, I'm hyped man, how are you? I'm very good, man, I'm, I'm very good, I've... Just had just had some dinner, so I'm, I'm well fed. And you you just had breakfast. How weird I is that? I just had breakfast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eleven hour difference now. Oh, no, sorry, ten hour difference now. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna soon become eleven. That's gonna be even crazier. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you've been a busy boy back at uni. Have you had the chance to play anything over the past uh, few weeks? Yeah, actually. So like my the biggest game I've played is FIFA 21. So that came out. Yeah. Last Friday. Two weeks ago now? No, last Friday, Is actually. It? Yeah, on the 9th. Okay, yeah. Like last Thursday, something like that. And then I, I also got to play like 10 hours of it on the 1st with the EA Play Trial Access shenanigans because I pre-ordered yeah, it. Like the, so. the, 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 the pre-pre-order yeah. trial so it's, or whatever. It's a lot of nonsense, but like, hey, I got some some decent game time into it. And um, it's fun for me. This is the first FIFA I've ever played on launch day. It's fun for me to like get in with okay. all of these like uh, FIFA Ultimate Team founders and like I feel like I'm I'm the hardest core of the hardest core you know like this is the hardcore playing yeah. FIFA now I'm part of that crew, but it's uh, yeah. it's really good I'm enjoying it you know like FIFA <laughs> for me is the kind of game I'm like I turn off my brain turn on a podcast like Double Jump Radio, and I just you know like. I just use it to think, to listen. I don't really like. I'm not in the game. I don't have any in-game audio. Don't really care much for it. It's my, it's my podcast game. It's my relaxation game. And I've been like, looking forward to it so much. It's it's like, <laughs> especially this it's like year. meditation in a way. Yeah, it's like meditation. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's like it's like when people watch like rewatch shows that you don't really have to pay too much attention to. You can just have it on in the background. And yeah. While you're cooking or whatever. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like that that comfort comfort um entertainment yeah oh yeah it's it's very like fast food it's like very <laughs> very fast food kind of <laughs> video game yeah well that's good what, what do you think of the this year's installment are you are you happy with it so far it's it's hard because like people are right when saying that like hey it's just like a reskin or it's just like a roster upgrade or it's just you know like bringing all these things but i'm super thrilled for the first time ever my hometown team is in fifa uh, they introduced uh, the Romanian really? League. Yeah, they introduced the Romanian League last year with FIFA 20. And then since my hometown team is promoted to uh, the first league of of Romanian football, now they're in FIFA. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that, that's a good enough reason for me. <laughs> well, what's what's a shout out to your home, home that's, team? That's uh, Uta Arad. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Uta Arad? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Good on him. Congrats on uh, getting the promotion up to first division. That's awesome. Yeah. In terms of gameplay, though, and features, <laughs> it's very incremental. It's very quality of life. It's yeah. very like, hey, you know, we made it easier for you to this, this to do this and that. I think the game is a bit faster as well. But uh, okay. this is this is not an action FIFA we deserve. This is not you know. Well, well, that's the thing, right? It come what come a month from now, you're going to be playing maybe a different version of FIFA. Yeah. 
on on the new engine, so it could feel completely different. I mean, it's still not going to be on a, on, on a new engine. It's still going to be it's not going to be revamped. FIFA's already like sixty FPS as it is. I I don't expect. Well, I I would expect there potentially to be improvements in terms of maybe not just graphics, but you could see something like animation, AI, things like that, where the extra horsepower could be put to good use. I hope so. This is EA we're speaking about at the same time, you know, and <laughs> and I I think the biggest improvement will be just load times. I think it will just be snappier and faster. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. that's all I can hope for. Like And even like uh, over the pond of wow. uh, to when looking at Konami, like Konami's released uh, basically a 2021 20, update to uh, PS 2020. So they, they don't even have like a full fledged release this year. So it's a weird game. Well, they game. did it the right way, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's a weird game for football <laughs> games. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be reviewing FIFA yep. 21 once I put more more playtime into the other modes. Like, I know they, they've been focusing on, like, career mode and other exhibition modes. I've mainly been, pl- I've mainly been playing foot, so. Yeah. Well, the thing is with... Generally, when there's a new console release, what EA does is the the first version that comes out on the new consoles is kind of stripped back while the team learns the new like the new architecture, and then it starts re-adding features back to the to the that version, the ne- quote unquote you know new version of the game. Do you do you, has EA announced that this is going to be the same this way around? We don't know yet. Uh, all we know is that we are we have a dual entitlement, which means that if you buy the game on PS4 or Xbox One, you automatically upgrade to uh, a Series X, S, and PS5. But they did release. Good. They did say that like you're not able to take all of your save files, so only your yeah. your foot save files carries over, and your Volta, which is basically the the FIFA Street equivalent, carries over because that's yeah. that's server based and not game based, which is just a weird debacle yeah. and a, a weird addition to the entire like save well, files carrying yeah. over. Uh, exactly, because maybe that's a thing where EA probably didn't want to do the extra work to make the saves work because it's it's not controlled by ea it's it's controlled by microsoft and sony on their kind of their cloud back like infrastructure maybe ea didn't want to do the extra work yeah we we still don't really know like when you think about like yakuza not allowing transfers carrying over dirt 5 not allowing them we don't know if it's developer based or publisher based it's it's very murky as it stands but anyway i think it's probably not a smooth probably not a smooth transition probably even at the like the the console level maybe it hasn't quite been figured out just yet yeah in terms of like other versions of fifa 21 this will be my my last point in fifa 21 it's so funny mm. so like ea started releasing fifa on the switch and it's a very bare bones kind of version so yeah. like fifa on the switch has no misses some of the core features i don't know exactly which ones like i think they don't have like foot or like foot is very stripped down anyway they've yeah, released ultimate, no ultimate team yeah they've released fifa 21 again for full price and they in the description of the game it says fifa 21 brings all of the re- revolution from fifa 20 and or something like that i'm paraphrasing so basically they've confirmed that there is nothing new to fifa 21 <laughs> <laughs> and then IGN, oh, IGN, I, I saw a tweet about it. IGN had a tweet where they said um, EA decided to copy and paste FIFA 20 and and publish it as FIFA 21 on the Switch. So we've decided to copy paste our review of FIFA 20 on the Switch for this year's edition. So it's an entire it's an entire scandal right now with like 
Well, EA has done that before, like like FIFA on the Wii and Wii U, a lot of the times were basically like the previous gen versions. Like, EA has done this before, this is not the first time. So, I, I am... I'm Disappointingly, I'm not surprised yeah. that this is the case. I feel like it's, unfortunately. it's the first time that EA's been honest about it <laughs> it's like they just yeah. explicitly said this is almost the same version except for like you know roster upgrades and you know changes in, in squads and stuff like that crazy and, and what's crazy is that you'd think that ea seeing the player like seeing how many people have switches like i'm sure there are a lot of households where the parents are like you're not allowed to get a ps for or an xbox because they're too violent or they're too they're for grown-ups or whatever you get a switch and that's your that's your game system yeah you know you'd think that would be like an opportunity for ea to capitalize but clearly ea just said the people who have switches probably don't play online anyway so why bother yeah some of my friends who bought a switch for animal crossing and like smash when that was popular bought fifa and i played a few games in that version i'm like i never want to play this ever again like i don't want to play the switch version <laughs> yeah, it's like playing like the last version of FIFA on PS3. Yeah. You probably feel like that in a weird way. <laughs> Just like the grass doesn't even look right. Like what what is this? <laughs> uh but you know, speaking of EA, I I I've been playing uh, Star Wars Squadrons Sweet. over the over the weekend and last week. So I've put I've put a, a handful of hours into it now. I think I'm like probably two-thirds of the way through the story i think i'm, I'm not too sure I'm, I'm about four to five hours in i think that's about halfway if not just past mm-hmm. halfway um and I, like here's the thing this is a very tricky situation because ea and motive studios so the the developer of the game so both the publisher and the developer made a big deal about the fact that Star Wars Squadrons is going to be a standalone game. You know, it's 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 sold at a discount. It's sold for about uh, forty dollars, yeah, the price. So forty dollars US or fifty dollars in Australia, where games here retail for one twenty. I mean, they're sold oh, for okay, like ninety dollars. Yeah. Oh you know? yeah, actually. So yeah, so they they're sold for about. 80 to 90 dollars like on the street like as in at, at retailers but they retail for about a hundred to 120 dollars so it's about it's about what half to two-thirds the price of a regular game so the scope of the game is much smaller and ea said and motive has said well this is a standalone game this is what you guys wanted no season passes no dlc what you see is what you get and now you you'll see this thing and if you go on the star wars squadrons um reddit you'll see <laughs> a lot of posts saying oh my god ea please make this a service game please mm-hmm. add content to this game we want it to survive so it, it's kind of like you, you're damned if you do damned if you don't i'm the thing that really frustrates me is that this game has a lot of potential yeah because you know there are games like eve valkyrie uh you know the dcs games there's games like i mean star citizen if that ever comes out like there are games like it but nothing that has the the scope like the reach of something like star wars and and i think this game kind of straddles the line between like say if there's a spectrum and racing games have this as well you know arcade on one side and simulation on the other side like this is kind of like that this this feels a lot like something like a Forza Horizon, maybe, mm-hmm. where it's got, it's not quite as realistic 
as the you know the high end games like i racing and even forza motorsport to some extent so it's got it's kind of like it's a good balance of arcade and simulation so it can reach a lot of people but the thing is like there's only the there's only going to be so much you know you can capture your your players attention for if you've only got the certain amount of maps certain amount of modes and and things like that so i i would love to see ea expand on this game mm-hmm. and i know that it goes against the promise that ea set out but i think in this case i think this is a shame that you know i want to see this game get expanded yeah definitely uh, my take is that it's fine to let games die you know like obviously this yeah. is a trying to recuperate like the vibe and the feeling of like something like tie fighter or like the x-wing games like yeah. i i grew up playing the rogue squadron games and yeah. and the uh, starfighter games and i love those I, I was completely fine yeah. with just like letting those games die and i think i think motive started this game as a vr title uh i i think then mm-hmm. it became a new project also because some other star wars projects got pushed back and or cancelled yeah, so cancelled. Um, yeah. so like ea needed something yeah needed something this fall season and that is squadrons and then yeah i think they did the calculations i'm sure they did and they decided that like, it's not worth for us to uh, have motive um expand in this game rather than um, go on to make a different project because they have said yeah. recently they've they've released a new mission statement and they said like we have new projects in the work in the works which also uh, involves the Star Wars IP. So I think after Squadrons yeah. this release is done. I think Motive's already kind yeah, of moved on. They're kind of moving on yeah. to the next thing. I think that's fine. I think it's fine I mean, to play yeah. Squadrons for a weekend and have an amazing time and then say, Hey, like we're out. Like I think I think that's fine. But I think the other thing is the, the other side of that is that, you know, you talk about Rogue Squadron games, you talk about the Jedi Starfighter games, even the X-Wing TIE Fighter and stuff, you know, you're talking, it's okay to let games, you know, kind of fall by the wayside and, and have their natural, like, kind of time, yeah? But you're talking about games that are now 20 plus years, yeah. right? Games were very different back then. Yeah. Now, like, imagine being a fan and saying, you know what, this is the game that finally I can play with my friends and things like that. I I can play online and and live the fantasy again. And now I was like, oh, oh no, wait, wait, where are you going? No, no. <laughs> and then you get no players. You know, six months down the track, you know, a game like Crucible or something. You know, from Amazon, we're shutting yeah. down <laughs> so quickly after launch, right? You, you know, yes. You, you never want to see anything fail, but this especially because it is it has been so long since there was a game mm-hmm. like this that I would really like to see this push forward. And I, I, I've been it, just like playing through the single player. I can see where the corners were cut. You'll notice this as well. Yeah. Um, especially like the transition between scenes and the animations and stuff. Like it, it does the old school Elder Scrolls thing of like, ah. Uh, there's an icon above my head. Click, transition. We are now standing in front of each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, conversation. This conversation has ended. I will turn around now and walk. <laughs> and I actually, like, last night, I was um, after I had a conversation with a character, I literally watched the character walk across the, the hangar. I just wanted to see if there was, like, a like a place where their character just disappears because they don't expect people to kind of mm-hmm. see. To, to my surprise, the character actually went off to another TIE fighter and was standing there and were like, you know. So I was like, good on good on you there, that, that attention to detail. But you'll see it when you play the game yeah. that it really does capture the Star Wars feel. And that's why I think it does deserve its own like kind of life as like an ongoing multiplayer title. 
Yeah, but you're right. It not everything needs to. Yeah, and and the thing is, this is a first step. This is a first step in getting yep. that type of game back. You know, like I'm thinking about like yep. the, the Crash, the Insane Trilogy, was the first step into yep. making team racing happen again, and it was the first step in uh, making Crash Four happen. So same with Squadrons, like. Battlefront 2 had those like uh, had the VR mission and had uh, you know the um, yeah, the, the, the flying the, the flying missions stuff. the score battles the whatever they call like starship assault whatever so those were steps yep. to this release to this title and let's be honest if this does well and I think it will I hope at least it will I don't think EA is mm-hmm. going to look at the numbers and say actually let's not make this again or I, I can see a yeah. Battlefront 3 that has a Starship mode, which is like revamped, overhauled, much better, much faster, much more interesting. I can see even stuff like Fallen yeah. Order uh, or whatever they they call the next entry in that in that franchise, having incorporating some of these um, mechanics in some way, shape, or form. So I don't think Squadrons is gonna die here. The game might fail, or we might forget about it, or, or we might not think of it as you know as revered as like um uh, x-wing and tie fighter but i think the idea yeah. behind squadrons or like the concept behind squadrons is here to stay as long as like you know ea yeah. has the yeah. the star wars ip well that's the thing i'm sure there are people at motive right now saying like like saying uh oh, see i told you so this is what people want and maybe those people Next time around, we'll get hurt a bit more, and EA will be like, "All right, here you go. Here's the proper resources to make a game that will be, you know, a long-term multiplayer solution." Yeah, and and you see this maybe w- yeah you see this with Apex as well, right? So like that was yeah. that was a gamble. Like Respawn was like, "No, actually, we can 100%. we can deliver an excellent online experience," and EA was like, "We don't believe you, but like I guess we'll do it." And they've proven them wrong in the same way that Motive, I think, yeah. uh, has proven EA wrong, or they might not. Like we might. Uh, you know, like we might be on the podcast like a few weeks in and then realize, hey, actually, Squadrons didn't do so well because people didn't buy it. Like, yeah. everyone's vocal about, like, oh, we love this type of game, but if no one buys it, like, why not make a, an experience like Jedi Fallen Order instead of Squadrons? Obviously, I would like yeah, a lot exactly. of variety in my Star Wars, but we also have to realize that this is a, this is a, you know, a product that needs to sell well. I think EA probably calculated, you know, maybe. EA expected the reason why people, so many people are playing this game is because it's got Star Wars on it. Imagine this was just, you know, Star Battles, uh, Star Battle Fighter uh, multiplayer game. It may not have sold and ha- captured as many hearts as it, as it has. That was a good discussion about what we've been playing. How about we talk about what's coming up on Double Jump? Do you want to tell us about what was on our homepage last week? Yeah, absolutely. So we had two articles, a slower week than usual for us, but that doesn't make it uh, less worthy. So we had uh, the first story was flagship files. John, um, with another spectacular entry in the in the flagship files that I'm part of, and I'm still mm-hmm. to write an article, he wrote about why <laughs> was Ridge Racer the king of next gen, so discussing... Uh, Basically, the franchise as a whole and how odd it is that like so many Ridge Racer games were released for the original PlayStation when that came out, for PlayStation 2, then for the DS, for the 360, for the PS3, yep. for the 3D, yep. and uh, for the 3DS, and then for the Vita. So just yeah. to basically 
a retrospective of the, of the entire franchise and i do encourage you to give that um a 100%, read because because those games were the like kind of like graphical benchmarks yeah for many consoles absolutely weirdly so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I still remember like the memes were like ridge racer, racer. <laughs> yeah cars here are <laughs> so i do remember oh, that but that, yeah. that, that that throws me back a few years and then the second story and, and, and interesting interesting fact for people who don't know at home Ridge Racer, I believe, on the original Ridge Racer on P- on P- PS One, the entire game could fit inside the 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 PS One's RAM, so you, the game would load so quickly because it wouldn't need to actually read off the disc. That's how quickly. Um, that's how like primitive that game was compared to you know the 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 later on game. So that's that's crazy. Wow, that that's uh, a big jump. Like, if you think about, like, Ridge Racer versus, like, Final Fantasy VII, I think that's, like, a big, big jump. Yeah, there was, like, three discs or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Yeah, and then the second <laughs> article that we had, which is very interesting, um, is how psychology can help yeah. you win more games than Among Us. Obviously, Among Us is a is the game everyone's talking about. We're streaming it on Monday. Uh, Lux is yep. perhaps potentially streaming right now at the time of recording. So, <laughs> George, course. our resident psychology student, explains how since Among Us is a game about witness test. Uh, testimony and memory knowing the mind can reap you a lot of benefits so he goes into something like uh, elaboration likelihood model which I've never heard of uh, before reading the article (laughs) and he uh, says that human memory is incredibly easy to manipulate and also that humans also uh, have a very difficult time negating the influence of this of uh, this disinformation (laughs) or misinformation so So it's very interesting how he it, it's it's like yeah. it's like in in movies how you know like you take there's like you know when the scientist gets angry at the businessman for taking his creation and and doing evil yeah. with it <laughs> this is kind of like that moment for our readers this is how you use science to manipulate your friends and 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 make enemies yeah exactly it's 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 our equivalent of like dale carnegie's like how to make friends and win against your enemies how to win fence whatever you know the title but like yeah. what i love most about yep. this yep. Uh, about george's article is that he gives actual in-game examples so he's analyzed his like yeah. gameplay in that game through his like previous experience with the game it's a it's a fascinating fascinating read and i do encourage you to, to <laughs> check Definitely it out recommend it so that was what was on our site last week how about we talk about what's been in the gaming news this past week ed Sony's uh, finally shed some light on what the PlayStation 5 will play in terms of all the titles. Uh, care to elaborate on, on, on Sony's uh, plans? Yeah, I'm so excited and I'm thrilled to be here for this news. Like, I'm, I'm so excited. So, <laughs> Sony finally uh, explained what backwards compatibility is and exactly how it will function. So, back at GDC in like... Yeah, on the PS5. On the PS5. Back at GDC in March or April... Anyway, March or April, uh, this uh, this um, past um, um, spring, Mark Cerny and Jim, Jim yeah. Ryan promised that the overwhelming majority of PS4 games will be compatible with the PS5. Um, we didn't know what overwhelming majority meant. They At that point, they said the yeah. top 100 games uh, were tested. Yeah. So we didn't know if that meant that mm. only those 100 games will be available. And if so, which ones? They said most popular but they didn't know they did not give a list so now sony came yeah. forwards with a with a um with a post on the playstation blog saying that hey 
there's only 11 games out of the entire catalog of like thousands of PS4 games. I was very which will surprised not be compatible, that. I, which is excellent. I was very surprised. So, so some of the titles that will not make the transition to to PS5 are Hitman Go Definitive Edition, Definitive Edition, which I don't yep. own. I thought I, I owned it, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> but I have the Lara Croft one. Uh, VR title Robinson yeah. Robinson the Journey and Shadow Complex Remastered are three of the three of the most important ones. The other ones are like Afro Samurai Two and then Joe's Diner. Basically, not very consequential games anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Afro <laughs> sorry, Samurai Afro fans. Samurai fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Like much love to, to those people who play oh. <laughs> and love Hitman Go, but it's not a very concept. It's not your Spider-Man. It's not a God of War situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, speaking yeah. of like you know uh, big AAA games, um, select titles will also benefit from Game Boost, a feature that will upres and increase the frame yeah. rate of select games. Uh, and yeah. since uh, the blog post, Ghost of Tsushima has was confirmed to be 60 FPS on PS5, which is a departure from yeah. uh, from what ran on on PS4. It was only 30 FPS on PS4. Yeah, 30 frames. So um, yeah. again, the problem here is that we don't really know. We don't have a list of the games that will feature uh, game boost. Yeah, everyone of course is screaming Bloodborne, Bloodborne, and I'm also one of those people that would like to to play Bloodborne at 60. At this stage, it looks like it'll be something similar to how the boost mode on the PS4 Pro yeah. ran, where it's it's not every game will support it, but it can help uh, a lot of games kind of hit higher frame rates because they've got just that extra horsepower to, to count on. And I think I think the Xbox Series X has got something similar, and I think Digital Smart Foundry delivery, yeah. found that yeah, was it uh, Assassin's Creed Unity Unity. Yeah. The one that broke, the one the the one that like kind of destroyed the franchise's reputation back when the PS4 and Xbox One was still new. Like that one now runs at a proper locked sixty frames per second. Uh, faces seem to be uh, reattached to their yeah. character models now, which is good. That's another side effect. So yeah, good to see Sony doing something similar on the the PS5. With Unity, this example is fantastic because like. Unity runs at 60 <laughs> FPS only if you have the physical edition and only if you don't update it. Because Ubisoft has since released yeah. a patch and the patch caps the frame rate at 30 FPS. Yeah. So you have to have a bit. They couldn't, they couldn't like guarantee because yeah. it was like up and down. So they just like, you know what, lock, lock it, it at 30. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> in the same vein as with Microsoft, um, uh, Sony's confirmed that some games will benefit from uh, user experience or UI features. But we don't know what these features are yeah. because Sony said more on the UI later. And for someone who's like how, how later? It's less than a month away. What for someone who's pre-ordered <laughs> the PlayStation Five? I've been waiting for this for years. I am so ready to see the UI. So there's been leaks. I, I think it might be something like where you know both Microsoft and Sony have talked about improved share features and things like that. Maybe it's something like the new suspend features. Uh, maybe it'll Definitely, be something yeah. simple like that. I, I don't expect anything crazily like overhauled. Well, you know, speaking about the UI, so like we've seen some leaks that seem very credible. There's a there's a leak coming all the way from Russia that seems pretty credible. But there was a pattern that came out from GDC that basically confirms that like it won't be a drastic departure. It might be a 
more of a departure than what Xbox is doing because Xbox is unifying all of their stores and all of that. But yeah, Sony, yeah. I think, is going to innovate. And in the same vein as with the DualSense and the design of the PS5, it's going to be what you've been used to, but in a different shape, in a different form, in a different way. I, I still think we're going to have the panels. I, yeah. I still think it's going to be XMB. But it's going to be... Something's going to yeah. change in terms of like the vibe of the PS5. Uh, the UI at least. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about innovation and change there, and it's pretty much the XMB from PS, the PS3. Yeah, <laughs> it's essentially the same format, but uh, I'm just disappointed that the DualShock. I, I don't like the DualShock as a controller. Okay. I find it very bad ergonomically, especially playing Star Wars and a lot of Rocket League now. I find that my left, the left thumbstick, I, I think is very poor. That they're both, both thumbsticks are internal. Like it just means you have to push a lot yeah. more especially in games like star wars and rocket league and even racing games where you have to have your your thumb constantly on your left left thumbstick on the xbox it's a bit more like you, you don't have to push your thumb across as much and so i i think i think um that's that's my bummer in terms of the the controller placement but i guess that that placement is iconic so you can't really change it except they have. I mean, <laughs> it's not like you could just swap the X and and uh, it's not like you can just swap the X and O as confirm and cancel, right? Except they just have. <laughs> so another news in terms of like how PlayStation is becoming this global brand is that you know how in Japan or like whenever you import games from uh, from Japan from that region, yep. um, Circle or play Metal yeah, Gear or play Metal Gear. Circle is the de facto confirmable in J- Japan because in Japanese um, culture, Circle means go. Circle is start, circle is resume, and X is pause. So yeah. in 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 order to makes sense yeah, if you think about in it. In order to uh, <laughs> like like in Japan, circle is like good. The cross or the X is bad. Yeah. The triangle is like it's in the middle, and like it, it, if you actually think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like whereas we're just so used to it in in the yeah, west it, with x being confirmed it for does everything. but like you know it, it's one more effort in terms of like what sony's doing to like make all the playstation blog under one single umbrella the dual sense is going to be this product yep. only the playstation store is going to be this yep they're revamping to make playstation a more global corporation which is odd considering that sony yep. is obviously a japanese company so it's it's odd yep. that they don't seem to 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 cater I think part uh, of that is also because it's a huge majority of players, you know, compared to like, I guess compared to, you know, PS2, probably a lot of the, like probably PS3 is when things were changing towards a lot more sales in the West. I think that that's that's probably why like Sony, like it's gotten to a point right now where it's, it makes sense to just make it easier for to just have a unified system. But interestingly enough, this is only at the system level. So Sony hasn't made it mandatory for developers to have X to be confirmed. So I'm sure Japanese like localized games will still have Circle to confirm. If I mean this this problem can be circumvented if they will allow you to rebind the buttons for even like for something like accessibility. Yep. So we'll have to see, yep. but this yep. is all part of the user experience. And then also, I guess, any about that. Yep. In terms of, like, you mentioned the DualShock. In mm. terms of, like, all the PS4 accessories, these will also be compatible to PS5. So you have the That's DualShock, good. the headsets will be compatible, but uh, the app for the headset will not be compatible. Uh, and then the PlayStation 4 yep. camera will be compatible. Like, I have one right now. I'm looking at it. Yeah. 
and then that yeah. will need an it, adapter. It's probably for PS Move. It is for PS Move uh, for, and sorry, PS VR. PS Move, um, for PlayStation yeah. VR. And then yep, yep. Uh, they've confirmed that all of this will basically be compatible with the PS5, which is excellent news. Um, the only exception is, I think, with the DualShock 4, if games require DualSense, they won't be 100% they, compatible yeah. because obviously there's physically there are limitations. There are limitations, there. but they said that like for the best experience when playing PS5 games, use you, do, you use the DualSense. But when you play PS4 games, you use a DualShock instead because there might be issues yeah. in terms of like compatibility and they, they can't yeah. really test every single instance in every single game every single time 100%. so for the best to use use the respective controller for the respective game version essentially maybe that's what it was maybe they're like oh the the dual sense doesn't work in our first samurai 2 and <laughs> yeah. then and maybe mark cerny's like this is yeah. not good enough and then slaps the du- slaps the like the game out of the the the, the person the testers yeah, hand afro samurai this is an afro samurai like <laughs> <laughs> podcast um <laughs> In terms of like services, yeah. Um, yeah. they've also confirmed PlayStation yep. Plus will be available, which of course we kind of got a sense uh, with the PlayStation Plus collection that was revealed at the event last yep. month. PlayStation Now will be compatible yep. as well, which is interesting to see how yep. they'll react to Game Pass with PlayStation Now. I think that that needs a revamp. Yep. And also remote play is still going to work, so you'll still be able to stream games on the PS5 in the same way that you did with the PS4. So this, all of this is excellent yep. news. In terms of like transferring games yep. and data and saves, you can do that from a PS4 console to a PS5 using a LAN cable or by Wi-Fi or by just basically extracting the hard drive or the SSD from the PS4 and and, uh, injecting it into the PS5, which, as we saw in the teardown video, is needlessly complicated. But at least everything is as optimal and as excellent as you would hope it was, like as seamless, as invisible. Because you you think about like the transition between generations and you want it to be convenient and seamless. And Sony is delivering this. I'm, I'm very happy. Yeah, finally. Finally, Sony has done something that's consumer-friendly since the launch of the PS4 because things have, uh, I don't know, things have changed over there. They've changed because Microsoft's changed. Over the past few years. They've changed because Microsoft's changed. And even like when you look at like... So Microsoft's become more, you know, Microsoft started off as a very like kind of consumer-unfriendly and kind of won consumers back over a long time with Phil Spencer making a lot of positive changes there. So I think Sony kind of went the other way and I think it's good to see Sony relenting. Like it was only a couple of years ago that Jim Ryan talked about who the hell cares about backwards mm-hmm. compatibility when when people kept asking about you know PS3 compatibility and PS2 compatibility and stuff. So um, it's good to see that he's you know whether or not he wanted to do it and he, or he was forced to do it doesn't matter. We're, we're everyone's winning. That's the good thing. But at the same time, they are being pushed by Microsoft. So like, let's not deny the fact that yeah. <laughs> what whatever yep. these companies do are also reactions to you know like what um. Each to other. each other, yeah. Like so, yep. like I mentioned the the teardown video. So, like also, Sony revealed a full teardown video where they just open the sucker up and they they show you the bits, and they it has it has 100%. a mount this time that you have to screw if you want to place it vertically. So it's a bit more clunky. And then yep. Xbox retorted with like, "Here's how you put a Series X sideways," and then you know you just swap it <laughs> and you, you just <laughs> dunk it. So like, wow, what a what, yeah. The tables, the tables have, have turned from uh, the 2014 E3 when they're like, "This is how we share games on PS4." Yep. So like, you wow. know, it's 
everything is and a then... reaction and a counter reaction <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. But um, it's good to see yep. some good news uh, from the Sony side. Yeah. Well, I mean, according to like research already, it looks like Sony's kicking Microsoft's ass when it comes to uh, you know at least US pre-orders. Yeah, which is which is really unsurprising. So, like, obviously, I live in Europe. I've lived in Europe my entire life. I still remember going to like my electronics store, buying a 360, and the clerk at the store told me, "Who told you to buy an Xbox?" I'm like, "What do you mean who told me? Like, is this like I shouldn't be buying an Xbox?" So, like, Sony is such a <laughs> uh, PlayStation in particular is such a like well affixed brand in, in in a way that that Microsoft isn't 100%. even in America even if Microsoft is an American company Xbox is still not dominant in any major territory it it's it it was until the it was during the 360 era and then towards the end of that it kind of once the PS3 started to come back but then with the PS4 it just yeah just just lost that ground but, Again, I think this is interesting because I don't think Microsoft cares too much about this. I don't think their priority is beating yeah. Sony in terms of sales. Um, a much more interesting number yeah. will be comparing the number of PlayStation Plus users to uh, users that have Game exactly. um, Game Pass. Because Microsoft will make money. Microsoft will make money off yeah Game Pass users on you know whatever system they're on. They'll make money off if I buy it. You know, a version of Forza Horizon Five on my PC. It Microsoft, you know, still makes yeah. money there and still gets me into the ecosystem and, yeah, and stuff and like that. So that's that's the thing. Sony doesn't have that. Uh, that's buffer. obviously more important for them. Like even you look at the, like a very Sony PlayStation oriented content, like Asia, like Japan in particular, mm. where Microsoft's been trying for years with aggressive moves to to break into that market. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why they bought uh, Yakuza, uh, like a time exclusively ex- ex- exclusivity for Yakuza to get into that market. Yeah. But anyway, it's like a Japanese player wanting to play Forza Horizon or Sea of Thieves or whatever can just play it on PC and they still win. So that's how they get them. Yeah. Yeah. It, you don't have to yep. buy your hardware. And you'll still be playing with your friends who... And, and if your friend can't afford to build the new PC or something, you can say, well, you can play it on your Xbox yeah. One or your Xbox One S or your Xbox One X or your Xbox Series X. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, ways that Microsoft can get you into the ecosystem, whereas Sony really only has, like, you know, either you have a PS4 or you have a PS5. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and that's why I'm buying... No that's more why I'm buying... <laughs> I'm looking at my video right now. That's why I'm buying a Series S because I don't have a PC personally, so I'm I'm playing on consoles. Yep. So my Series S will be basically a PC until I build said PC, which I'm way happy with. Yeah. So yep. Microsoft is yep. like vouching once on you get that uh, funding for your masters, you can use that funding and say I had to build this computer for my research thesis. Yeah, but we, like you only get money for PhDs, <laughs> not for masters. This is a sad life. Oh, lame, lame. We got to get through that to get yeah. to the PhD, right? Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. Well, that's the thing. Maybe that's that's just the uh, you know you you gotta you gotta put in the work before you can For reap sure. the rewards, and that's that's what AMD's done over the past few years with its Ryzen series of processors. So, PC gamers, it looks like this year is going to be an even 
bigger year in terms of hardware we already had the launch of the new uh, nvidia rtx 3000 series graphics cards which were a huge jump in performance especially compared to the pricing of the previous 2000 series cards and now it looks like amd is finally after almost ooh, two decades so about 14 to 15 years whenever the the first core uh, intel core duo kind of chips came out that was the last time amd really had a uh, like a an advantage in terms of gaming performance and basically here's the thing a couple of years ago amd launched its ryzen processors which is kind of like a big revamp in terms of the way it creates uh processors for computers and it always it it had more more cores more threads more dollar value compared to intel but it always kind of faltered in gaming now with last year's uh 3000 series chips it clawed back a lot of that gap but this year it looks like amd is poised to go ahead of intel in some in some games and benchmarks as well so this past week amd announced a new series of Ryzen chips. So it's based on the Zen 3 architecture, which is a new uh, new architecture in terms of processors. It's still continuing on the chiplet design that AMD uses. And in, in by chiplets, it's basically like, unlike Intel, which just has a big slab of silicon with everything on it, AMD kind of has smaller parts that it can upgrade and work on as it moves from processor to processor and so we can make improvements in the back end that can be you know introduced later on in the same processor's family or into next year's kind of chips whereas intel's been stuck on the same cycle for almost six years now right like four to five at least five to six years so the new ryzen uh 5000 series is uh promising to have at least about about 19 percent improvement you know performance per clock so basically 19 percent more performance per cycle of process but the main advantage with uh you know with this year's chips is that this improvement in performance also comes with uh improvement in terms of mm -hmm. latency so previously basically with the way that ryzen chips worked would there'd be like imagine the cache which is kind of like memory specifically for the processor different to the system ram right so this is kind of like smaller amounts of memory that your processor needs to do its kind of calculations previously amd would split that memory into two now what amd's done is unify that into one single large pool of cache and so the processor can pull from that like much more efficiently because it doesn't have to wait for the delay between one pool to the next pool. So you've you've eliminated some delay there, plus some other improvements. You know, overall in terms of the architecture and um, Anantech has got a really good breakdown of kind mm -hmm. of what AMD announced in terms of it's like kind of if you want to full on geek out and nerd out over the the nitty gritty details. But essentially, less system latency and uh, uh, higher frequency. So higher gigahertz mm -hmm. now amd is like rivaling intel like equaling intel pretty much when it comes to turbo frequency which is where intel really kicked amd's ass now the thing with games is that yes you can have a processor that's got more cores and more threads like the ryzen series had but games only really use one one core or maybe two cores at the most right so it cares less about the amount of cores and more about how fast that single core or that dual core works at now intel could always boost up much higher 
you know the new chips get above five gigahertz like five five point one gigahertz at the high end now amd's close that gap to like 100 megahertz or so and what that means is that amd in some games is actually now seeing going ahead of intel which it hasn't done in like 14 15 years like this is crazy like in terms of competition in the pc hardware space that you know we haven't mm-hmm. really seen for a long time and it's it, it can only benefit everyone you know what i mean and the other thing is with these um processes is that they keep their thermal kind of the requirements from the power supply is still steady so it's not going to be like the new intel chips which are using much more power so you're still not going to have to buy a new power supply or anything like that to upgrade to the new chips now amd has ditched the like included cooler Mm -hmm. in the higher end chip so only the basic chip comes with it but that's all right because amd saw that the 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 data shows that most people who can afford a higher end processor can afford a good cooler you know which makes sense like if you kind of think about it so so the new the new architecture is the ryzen 5 5600x which is a six core chip with 12 threads um then the Ryzen 7 5800X, 8 cores, 16 threads. Ryzen 9 5900X, which is 12 cores and 24 threads. And the Ryzen 9 5950X, 16 cores and 32 threads. Like, even the base model of this is faster than what I have right now. And my one was a like an i7 4770K, like top yeah. of the range i7 back when it was brand new, you know. What did these um <laughs> cost? Like it, What's the price for these? So we in America, so the pricing has gone up about 40 to 50 dollars over the equivalent processor from last year. Now, it's kind of a bummer in that you you're paying more, but uh, as you'll see, the pricing is still pretty fair, especially when you mm-hmm. compare it to Intel. So, two ninety nine roughly for uh, in, this is US dollars, two hundred ninety nine dollars for the fifty six hundred X, four forty nine for the fifty eight hundred X, five forty nine for the fifty nine hundred X, and seven hundred ninety nine dollars for the fifty nine fifty X. Australian pricing has not been announced as of this recording, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted mm-hmm. once we do get an update on that, because. Um, these are now pretty much like pricing wise on par with Intel, but if they can have more, th- more cores, more threads, better cooling, uh, more cache and, you know, better performance in games, this is going to be, you know, AMD's, AMD's shedding that's, oh, I can't afford Intel, so mm-hmm. I'm going to get AMD kind of, <laughs> you know, association that it's had for a long time. And another good thing, Unlike Intel, AMD is not requiring people to get a new motherboard. So, so usually when Intel Intel introduces a new series of processors every year, you have to get a new motherboard. Only select versions of previous year's motherboards can be upgraded. With this, if you have a motherboard that runs an existing processor, uh, like a three a three thousand series processor or a 2000 series processor. So the X570 boards, which came out last year, and the 470 boards that came out the year before, those are going to be compatible through BIOS updates. So you could have like a a, a computer from two years ago with a certain post, like a say a 2700, you could upgrade okay. that to a potentially a 5800X and not have cool. to change anything else on the computer, which is which is, which is actually yeah. pretty good because you'll, you, you should see a huge bump up in performance whereas if you ever wanted to do that with intel you'd have to buy a new Hmm. motherboard and processor yeah so which 
you know, the, probably that's because Intel didn't have much competition. So this is for a many friendlier years. option, uh, like for example, the the Intel. Yeah, hundred percent. What does this mean for you? Are you are you buying this? Mm. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> now, having just yeah. gotten a home loan and having lost all my money, uh, invested, that, not that lost, really drains it. But definitely, yeah, yeah invested. Yeah, yeah. In, it, you know, over the next few months, I definitely came to mm-hmm. upgrade my computer. For for folks at home who aren't aware, I'm, I'm running a computer that, at its core, is about seven years old. So. Um, an Intel i7 4770K, which came from factory at 3.5 gigahertz. I've overclocked that to 4.5. I'm just, I'm like, I've only got so much yeah. time left. I'm going to run this till this <laughs> I was dies. about to say, that sounds Why bad. Why not, yeah. right? <laughs> That's like 33% yeah. above yeah, what its like, factory Ooh. thing is, but I've got a decent cooler on it. So I've like upgraded my graphics cards throughout the time, but I'm still running really like... PCI 3, mm-hmm. I'm still running DDR 3, which has, you know, which is really old. And so I think it's about time to upgrade and things yeah. have changed so much right now. Like USB, USB-C mm-hmm. didn't really exist back when I got this computer, you know what I mean? USB 3.0 yeah. was the hot thing. Now that's like, that's that's, years, forget yeah. about it, man. Well, what do you think this means? <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, I'm what excited for it. What do you think this means it. for like someone like myself who's a, a console player? Like what does this mean for like consoles of the future? Okay. In terms of consoles for the future, not much because this is a good improvement over the the architecture that's mm-hmm. outgoing, right? But that architecture... So, this is... So, it, it's kind of like this is a good place for... P, like, PC games, you'll see a huge improvement in PC games going forward for PC-only titles, right? The thing is, I... I as a PC gamer and following the industry, the vast majority of sales is console, right? And and all th- all the both the major consoles are running yeah, AMD asked, yeah. chips, AMD APUs, right? So they're running. So AMD is basically powering PCs going like twenty five. It just for the first time in a long time, one in four PCs runs an AMD chip, which has not happened for a long time. And if you go on Amazon US's like top selling list of PC parts, like AMD's all over the top 10, which is, you know, it's good to see that competition. As a PC gamer, what this means is that, excuse me, um, if you're a pure gamer, you don't have to necessarily only consider Intel mm-hmm. and paying extra for Intel to get into the gaming space you can consider going for a cheaper like ryzen 5 or 7 and still getting a really good gaming performance plus getting the ability to stream at very good quality without having hiccups in your games you're able to you know like you know what you want to you want to edit some videos some podcasts or whatever you can definitely do that much easier with a cheaper processor like amd kicked Intel's butt into gear and made Intel add more cores and threads to its existing processes, right? Now, what I will actually see is that because these these are much more powerful, as developers get used to the new eight-core chips that are running the PS5 and the Xbox Series S and X, you'll actually see maybe more developers using those extra cores mm-hmm. and threads, which they don't do right now, and I can see that trickling onto PC games where now 
we've had multi-core systems for years now, but because of the PS4 and Xbox One and PS3 and stuff, because it was very difficult to make use of everything at the same time, you didn't really see games focus on that. That's where Intel had the lead because it wasn't very... It was... Intel chips were super fast at like one or two chips, uh, one or two processor cores, which is all that matters. So what I can see in, in, in like in the nutshell, PC gamers will benefit from um, game developers getting more out of these new systems because the architectures are so similar between the AMD chips in the pros in the, the consoles and the AMD and Intel in the PCs that benefits for consoles will benefit PC and I can see vice versa where you can see like better like new technologies that start off on PC like ray tracing and 3D audio and stuff moving over to console and now the consoles have the power to run them. So it's kind of like both. It's it's one helps the other. Mm-hmm. You, you need one for the other to really benefit, right? That That's the thing. Don't hate on other systems. Just, you know, it's because of the other systems that your games are getting together. better. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Except your Switch. Switch is just, it's, you're just cool. It's, you're just cool, man. <laughs> but yeah, um, just to cap it off, AMD also teased that uh, its next uh, generation of graphics cards, codenamed Big Navi, uh, is going to be announced in the next couple of weeks. I think the 20, around the 28th yeah. of October or so. So uh, um, definitely keep an eye out on Double Jump for the news surrounding that because it looks like AMD might be taking the fight to NVIDIA for once in a long time as well. Cool. I'll stop there. But yeah, that's that's enough about hardware. Ed, how about you tell us about what's happening? Maybe some disappointing news coming from the the... the purple side of the amazon stable so twitch <laughs> essentially yeah yes so um <laughs> gamesindustry.biz uh brendan sinclair had a story about how twitch staff members call out company over lack of response to misconduct so as everyone yeah. knows over the summer there were a dozen of abuse allegations in the games industry and that obviously included twitch streamers so like i know mm. i liked zero who he's a fighting game, uh, he's a fighting game streamer, you know, um, Smash player, and he got into a lot of trouble. Pro Syndicate, the same guy who was involved in the CSGO skin lottery nonsense from a few years ago, was also um, yep. um, one of the targets of these allegations. Angry Joe, which I've enjoyed his content over the past years, has also been um, accused of um, sexual abuse. So there's a lot of um, rumblings and there's a lot of like, things happening and basically Twitch's underbelly. To um, to basically yeah. respond to this, the Twitch CEO, Emmett Shear, uh, posted a memo he sent mm. to his staff about the allegations. And now I'm paraphrasing from his tweet. Uh, he says, his company supports people coming forward and that the games industry needs to tackle the issue of abuse in order to create lasting and positive change. So basically, obviously, Twitch should be this company that's like, you know, um, wants to create lasting and positive change, wants to power the games industry, wants to um, uh, to ensure that we are all safe when we are, you know, um, gaming and or not gaming. So, yeah. um, the games industry based story um, reports on this and, and the tweet, and then they also say that shortly after that statement, this is from uh, gamesindustry.biz, shortly after that statement, a former Twitch employee approached game, gamesindustry.biz to come forward with allegations of systemic sexism 
racism, and abuse like Shia had referenced. In the, man- in the months since, we have spoken with 16 Twitch employees from mm. e- every era of the company, dating back to when it was just in TV. A few said they never saw anything of the sort in their time with the company. Most of them had stories confirming different aspects of the original employees' allegations. So, on the one hand, yeah. this uh, expose, this report from GamesIndustry.biz confirms that, like, Twitch is not the company that we expect it to be. Is Twitch is not the um, yeah. company that it is supposed to be, that we want it to be, or like the company that like it presents itself um, to be. Yeah. So obviously this is an incredible piece of journalism. It is very long, very thorough. It has a lot of memoirs from all of these people affected. Yeah. The stories which, of... Which you'd expect from Brendan Sinclair, who's yeah. long-time news hound in the industry yeah sorry yeah continue. and then there's stories of various employees um being belittled especially women there's racist incidents inside the company the twitch parties are commonly seen as being the setting for harassment and abuse and a lot of women are cited for saying that they don't want to attend but they feel like they have to because of the nature of their work so it's it, it's just like one more can of worms to add on this, you know, um, of this year who has just been marked and marred by allegations in the games industry. And, you know, it's it's so unfortunate and it's so unsettling to me. Like, we are Twitch streamers, you and I. Like, we, we, we stream content on Twitch. Yeah. So, like, we are part of this platform. But to see that, like, yeah, beyond what we can we can see or what we can impact, there's so many bad things happening. It's It's really disheartening, I think. Yeah, and and that's the thing, like, Twitch is no longer the, you know, the underdog small streaming platform. Now it's like a major, it's a major media company. If you think about the amount of hours people put behind. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, put in front of the screens. Like, there's more people watching Twitch streams than most sporting events nowadays. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I'm not surprised given the fact that how prevalent it seems like and and that uh like attitudes are towards women towards people of color towards you know uh people's you know sexual preferences or their gender identities and stuff you know what we can say what all we can really hope for is that companies learn and that people take on the the criticism or the being called out and things like this and it is important as people as you know as the public to give them you know sometimes people do change mm-hmm. but then people don't let them change and then that kind of creates you know kind of it's like that cycle where you just create another bitter person who now will purposely be go out of their way to be you know worse than they were before because they felt rejected by the people who they sought re- you know redemption or you know some forgiveness from so it's good that Twitch has acknowledged this, but I'm I'm with you in that n- more needs to be done. Oh yeah, and yes, things are getting better, but it, it's it still sucks to hear all these stories. But without these stories coming to light, nothing's going to change. And and if that means that you know, if some you know, there's a lot of brave people who put themselves yeah. out there and have to go through again. You know that what happened. You know, tell the story again. And obviously, that's going to bring back things like memories and and bad experiences. So, you know, kudos to them for bringing things up. And their suffering can hopefully lead to 
other people not suffering going forward. Yeah, that was that was my silver lining with this and with the Ubisoft stories we've covered. Like, thank you so yeah. much to all of these brave, courageous people who stepped forward, who uh, let the stories be known. Because only uh, this is this is one very impactful way of like us producing change 100%. and calling these companies out. And you know, like yeah. we are basing all of even like our our coverage right now is is based around like all of your statements so like if if something happens at yeah. work if you happen to work in the games industry please do speak out please do seek out help take care of yourselves there's so many people who are, are willing to help you and aid you and assist you so uh, yeah. reach out and yeah and people who are listening to this you know we we have friends and family who work in the games industry yeah. or you know someone who might get shared this you know if you do have a story you want to tell send you know get in touch with us you know we'd love to oh yeah for sure i wouldn't say love but we we are definitely encourage you to speak up you know because i'm sure it's hap it's happening in australia it's happening it's happening you know, everywhere it's happening yeah. in the uk it's happening everywhere and you know you, you sh gamesindustry.biz shouldn't be the only place to you know go to like there's, there's game spot wherever you want to write to definitely let people know what's happening because we need change to happen and it can it can only happen if you speak up so that was a bit of a, a bummer story but maybe th this might be a little bit more positive and a little bit more clever on the part In of microsoft sense. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so microsoft recently told a lot of its employees that it is planning to bring Project X Cloud, so it's a game streaming service to iOS and doing it in a different way. So we all know about the Fortnite versus Epic feud. We all mm -hmm. know uh, sorry not Fortnite versus Epic. We all know about Epic versus Apple. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and Apple not uh, and Apple not allowing services like Google Stadia and Xbox Game Pass and Project X Cloud to be released on their on Apple's platforms because Apple wants every game that's available through those services to be what released as individual apps that are reviewed and held to the same guidelines. Uh, you can kind of see it from Apple's point of view, but in terms of logistically having hundreds of games having individual apps when they all are basically being streamed from a server somewhere seems a little very very silly. So mm -hmm. Microsoft seems to be borrowing a page out of Amazon's playbook with its uh, Luna streaming service and yep. also borrowing kind of some tools and tips that it's done to test out Project xCloud on iOS is going forward, Microsoft is planning to bring Xbox Game Pass and Project xCloud to iOS platforms and iPadOS platforms by using web apps. So instead of having yeah. native apps that you download off the App Store, Microsoft will get players to log into a website, activate and link their accounts and then stream the games because after all, the games are just video feeds, really. So it does make sense that you can do it through the through some sort of browser on your system. And this would mean that uh, like hundreds of Xbox games, you know, State of Decay, Forza, Gears of War, Halo, you know, Ori, things like that coming on an iPad, you know, running it up to 4K eventually, you know, you're playing mm -hmm. an Xbox exclusive game on 
an iPad while you're sitting on the toilet at home, you know, that could be a reality yeah. for some people. And with 5G uh, spreading around the world, you know, not as fast as coronavirus, but we all know that 5G causes <laughs> coronavirus, right? Right? Ah, no, we don't. That That's dumb. <laughs> with 5G and internet getting stronger around the world. This is how we do it here, man. This is, this is the last story. We've got to, we've got to, oh, we've got to amp yeah. it up, yeah. So as internet's getting better around the world, you know, you could see a place for players to no longer be shackled to the system that they, you know, you 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 have a PlayStation, you got to play PlayStation games there. You buy an Xbox, you got to play Xbox games there. Now you're kind of seeing streaming services separate the games from the systems so you can play it on whatever you've got. And... Microsoft's uh, gaming boss, so Phil Spencer, head of Xbox. Big Daddy Phil. Yep. So the guy who kind of uh, turned Xbox around and has given it really uh, a positive kind of image in a lot of players' minds. Uh, speaking to employees recently that uh, told them that we will absolutely end up on iOS with Game Pass. And this is coming from a reporting from Business Insider and The Verge. So thank you to those guys there. Uh, and yep. the the target is next year using a quote-unquote direct browser-based solution, so essentially a web app. That would be very soon if you actually think about how quickly, you know, after the launch of the new systems, this service would be on iOS. Like, what what do you think about this whole situation? T- to me, this is all inevitable. And to me, this is a, and this is a smart play. It's basically just circumventing Apple's draconic restrictions mm. and um you know like i think um x cloud is now on android i think it is yeah so i think t- since october yeah uh, it launched on android and together with the microsoft store app together with all of this and that so like ios yeah. is like the last you know like the last bastion is still standing and so you've seen stuff like comixology c- circumvent this with amazon has done it before uh, you know, I'm running a Chromebook. Most of the things that I do are based on Google Chrome, the browser, rather than app-based. Yep. So, as far as I can tell, like this is, this is just the way it has to be in order for Microsoft to to get on there. And yep. of course, they will. Like I, I absolutely believe Phil when when he said that. Like, yeah, yep. like duh, kind of kind of a thing. Makes like, sense. Regardless of like what Apple will 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 do and regardless if they don't like it these major companies will find a way you know mm-hmm. like even epic will find a way to get fortnite back in, in some way like epic yeah. will uh, it will all still be resolved maybe through a compromise or maybe through something like a, a circumvention but yeah there's there's no way microsoft will not have a presence on ios and you know this is for, further proof to know yeah and you know what like we said with AMD before and and Microsoft with, you know, a revamped Xbox image, competition is good for the players. It's, it's always oh, yeah. good to have more more places to play and more games to play and new ideas coming out. So fingers crossed that we see, you know, Microsoft pull through <laughs> on iOS next yeah. year. You know, you know the, the multi-billion dollar underdog. Yeah, the big problem with with all of this, and and I feel like we've spoken about this on the podcast before, is Apple Arcade, Apple's own streaming service. So I'm glad that Microsoft is saying, actually, no, this is bullshit. You know, like it's competition, and just say it is. (laughs) Yeah, we will get on there. Like Luna and Game Pass should go against Apple Arcade and Stadia. Sorry, I keep forgetting about Stadia. I think uh, 
Well, I think Google has because the new Google Chromecast with so the, oh, the new Chromecast that just got announced and is coming out uh, yeah. n- later this week does not support Google Stadia at launch. Yeah. I'm forgetting Stadia because Google is forgetting about Stadia. Uh, <laughs> it just trickles down. Oh, man. I, you know, uh, when I wrote about it, I wrote about how the Google Stadia sounds the death knell for consoles. And fundamentally, yeah. it eventually it can. Oh, streaming is the future. Yeah, Streaming yeah. is the future, but maybe Google Stadia wasn't... It, maybe it, it might be the person ringing the bell, but it's not the person who'll be holding the, you know, cutting the ribbon at the end of the finish line or whatever. <laughs> This is a harsh comparison, but like Stadia to me is the Ouya of streaming services. Oh, no. That's how I think about it. That's how oh. I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> At least people who had Ouya's got like a cool box that they could convert into uh, into like a like a streaming box. I don't know what you could really do with a... At least, at least Google Stadia is an app, and at least Google Chromecast is, a, in my opinion, a good product. You can use it for other things. Yeah, so. that's a good product, yeah. The controller is nice. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, that's the news for this past week. If you guys would love to hear more detail and read more details about all the stories in the podcast, plus a lot more news about games like Bug Snacks and, you know, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit getting a remaster, definitely check out our latest Double Jump Digest, which is live now on the homepage. Ed, coming to the end of another episode, yeah. is there anything you'd like to plug to the folks at home? Yes, so uh, I'm not sure on how accessible this is, but um, ever since I started at the University of Edinburgh, we have something called a History of Games Lab, which is basically uh, some um, academics from the history department coming together to make video games and also make board games and also basically... Um, research how games uh, impact history and vice versa. So I know um, they've also made an expansion for a very popular board game which I've never heard of and I don't have the name of it. So that is a product that you can buy. So I would very much like yes something like that. Some it, it is a very like D and D kind of like focus. Yeah, it's it's called uh, the expansion. I believe is called Ventura: The Fall of Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expansion that is, that, to, that is uh, expansion, yeah. Ventura. Hmm. Yeah, so cool. uh, so that is a very cool project that they're working on. I'm part of the postgraduate group, so I'm I'm, I'm meeting with them. We're speaking about all of these stuff. So we had a session at my university actually about how Assassin's Creed Black Flag and Sid Meier's Pirates are revolutionary in terms of how like their depiction of pirates, not only in a digital form, but also apparently Odyssey and Origins are like the most accurate historical representations of their respective <laughs> eras same with black flag, yeah. flag and pirates so it's yeah. very interesting so if you have a side interest in history i very much very much recommend the history and games lab from the university of edinburgh full disclosure ed does study there so yes i do study just letting everyone yeah. know just letting everyone know full but disclosure definitely yeah. if you are interested in history and game design or both definitely check it out I was talking to one of my mates at work today about... Uh, we were talking about him getting... He has fond memories of like Age of Empires 2, Battlefield Vietnam, things like that. So those games were actually included with breakfast cereals back when we were kids. Really? 
Wow. Yeah, so you could get it like you because like those games were like you know old by the time they came out. So it was like I got like I got I think Age of Empires one, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater two, uh, a game called uh, Supreme Snowboarding. I got Neat. those games by having uh, like breakfast cereals as a kid, and I remember playing Age of Empires and my dad kind of watching me and and he'd be like, "Oh, this is really cool. You should play yeah, this." Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. teaches you about history. He says that's cool. Like, uh, that's like one of the memories that I have of that. And I'd say, yeah, definitely. We don't appreciate just how powerful games can be in terms of teaching and and learning. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely an awesome project to get behind. You know what? If you guys are at university or high school, definitely encourage your teachers to get involved in projects like this. Yeah, It's a great way for you guys to learn programming, to learn maths, problem solving, teamwork. There's a lot to get out of this. And you can also learn about history and hopefully not repeat the mistakes of some of our ancestors, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're about, ooh, 28 days, 29 days away from next-gen launching. Yes. You know, some, some, some housekeeping for everyone at home. Make sure you guys back up your save files, restore your consoles to their factory settings before you sell or trade in your consoles. It's also a good idea to give them a clean, you know, like warranty is well and truly out. Yeah, especially in, in this pan, <laughs> in this pandemic, like be very vigilant with this. You'll be yeah. surprised that your PS4, your launch PS4 or Xbox One doesn't necessarily need to sound like a jet engine taking off if you just... As yeah. mine does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just get, get those like compressed air cans and blow out some of the dust that's been kind of gunking up in those systems so clean them up get them ready for their next home because there's a, another generation of kids who can definitely benefit from some uh, yeah. some new old systems or like instead of selling even like instead of giving them away to charity i know in of the course. uk there's uh there's a games charity that uh, you know uh, give consoles to uh, children in hospitals i'm sure there's yeah. something similar in australia and the states wherever you're listening from so do consider yeah. your options beyond beyond selling because there might be someone who's going yeah. to have a fantastic time with your old system a lot of people have lost their jobs this past six months due to the pandemic so you know there's going to be a lot of kids for the holidays who might be missing out on games and things like that so you know consider donating your consoles and your games you know even if it's just your next door neighbor who's doing it a bit tough why not you know they you might just give them that little bit of kind of fun and, and happiness that they need to get through this tough time, you know, while they're struggling at home or, or their kids are struggling, you know, it, it doesn't just affect one person, it affects everyone in the house. So definitely, yeah, definitely look it up. You know, in Australia, we've got like people like Everyday Hero, Fair Game Australia. I know there's um Child's Play in America. So mm-hmm. yeah, find a local charity uh, and see if you can help them out. That's, that's you know what, we, we, let's give back, yeah? Let's yeah, give back. for sure. <laughs> yeah in the uk it's called uh, get well gamers so for all, all of you uh, uk nice. listeners get well gamers is yeah. the... and i know there's also like the saint jude's hospital for kids like i know they do like charity streams and stuff like that so you know what we can make a difference so yeah definitely definitely if you can do it ed i've taken up enough of your time this part this this evening university yeah i have a seminar <laughs> starting soon Thank you so much again. It was a wonderful episode. <laughs> Hope you had as much fun as I did. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to be to be back for next gen. I'll, my next episode. Hey guys, 
I might be like, I'm here to deliver <laughs> my next gen impressions. I'll, I'll be gushing. I'll be hyped. I'm so excited. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be recording. You'll be broadcasting from Astro's like his new world inside yeah, the, the playroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. Thank you so much. And until next time, everyone, look out for one another. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.